to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Our core kids are dismissed. And if you are able to stand for the reading of God's word, would you do that please? Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, when you got that, say so. All right, now hold your place there and go to the book of Genesis chapter 12. And you got to say so. All right, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which, was, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Turn back to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word that is truth, that liberates us, Lord God. We thank you that it instructs us, it guides us. And so this morning, Lord God, as we come into your presence, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. We pray, God, that you would not let us be hearers alone, but that we would be doers of it, and that we would look at the life of Abraham, and that we would see it as a model for us, that we would walk by faith, Lord God, not by sight alone. Father, glorify yourself in our lives. In Jesus' great name, everybody said... You may be seated in the presence of the Lord.
I love the last portion there. I hope you listen. I hope you're reading it along and that you don't just go to sleep on that. But God still tells his story through the lives of those who live by faith. God hasn't stopped telling stories. Amen. Now, we're not talking about writing scripture. We're not talking about that, right? We're talking about God didn't stop telling stories. He wants to use our lives to continue to testify to his goodness and his greatness. If you don't have an outline, would you raise your hand and just hold it up? Want to make sure everybody gets one. Want to make sure that you're able to follow along in the introduction of the sermon. I want to make sure that you're able to take notes. There are some really, um, there are some good provocative questions in there for you. Um, you can follow along. And as always, I ask the question, who are you helping grow in their faith? Because it is important that you are helping someone grow in their faith and you can utilize what you are learning on Sunday mornings in order to help someone else grow in their faith. So that's part of being a disciple and making disciples. So as you have the outline there, if you would just look, um, or you look at the outline here, um, as children of God, we are called to live by faith in God amidst a world that is completely dependent upon the tangible, sensible, and testable. Are you here? If you can't feel it, you can't taste it, you can't touch it, it's not real. And so we are, are, are living in that day, in that era, in that time. And it's always been like that. Men have always wanted to hear from God specifically or, or, or they want to be able to touch what is intangible. And Abraham models for us, like Noah did, how irrational faith may look at times. And yet we know when God speaks, he delivers. Sometimes faith looks irrational. Irrational does not mean irresponsible. Hello. There's a difference between irrational and irresponsible. It may not look like you should do that. Like when the Bible tells you to love your enemies, that's irrational, right? That, that, that's something that it doesn't make any kind of sense. I know you all just love that command, don't you? That, that you have to love those that are unlovable. You have to, have, to, have to be merciful to those who are not merciful toward you. You have to be gracious to those that you want to be ungracious to. Hello. This is a reality that none of us want to deal with. And nonetheless, faith sometimes looks irrational, most times looks irrational. Abraham, Ab Abraham believed God and he moved from the place of comfort to the place of the unknown. And we must ask ourselves this question, are we willing to do the same? Are we willing to be uncomfortable? Are we willing to be a stranger? Are we willing to be vulnerable to follow God by faith? You see all of those things I just said about being uncomfortable, about being a stranger, about being vulnerable? You need all of those things if you are going to follow after God. All of those things need to be a reality in our lives. We're, we're not supposed to just be comfortable in our walk. And that, that's one of the most difficult things that we deal with, especially in America when it comes to the church. America, you know, I, I, you know when, when you look at the seats that you're sitting on, you know, you walk into a place and you, you know, you sit down and immediately, I mean, you're, the, the first thing you're going to feel be after the AC in the room or not, or the heat, hello, is you're going to feel the seat that you sit on. And so this, it's all about comfort, right? It's all about how we feel, right? Th those things matter to us. And so when it, when it comes to talking to us and in, in, in our, in our Christianity that we hear today, it's about what we can get. It's about what we can receive. It's about us getting what it, whatever it is that we, that we deserve or whatever it is that God wants for us or whatever, however it's communicated. We don't talk about sacrifice. We don't talk about the same things that Jesus talked about when his disciples were there with him and people were saying they wanted to follow him. And he said, if you're going to follow me, you need to take up your cross and deny me. Does that sound comfortable? Doesn't sound comfortable to me. 
Carrying a cross is an uncomfortable thing. I mean, uh, you know, denying yourself is an uncomfortable thing. Saying no to my flesh is an uncomfortable thing. And so it's important that we realize that, that we are not supposed to just be comfortable. And we're supposed to be strangers. What does that mean? That means that, man, we, in some areas of our lives, we should look weird to people. Hello. Now, 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 I'm not talking about just walking around and be weird for weird's sake, right? Like, like, just like I tell you, I'm not telling you to go around and be, you know, be mean just to be mean, right? The truth hurts, right? When you speak the truth, the truth hurts sometimes. That doesn't mean you got to be hurtful. Hello. You speak the truth in love. That's what the scriptures teach us to do. But the same thing for us being a stranger, not, being, not, 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 not just being uncomfortable, but where people are looking at us as though we live differently than they do. It's important that we ask ourselves this question if we're going to walk with God. The third paragraph here, Abraham believed God when he did not know where, when he did not know how, when he did not know when, and when he did not know why. We're going to look at all of these different aspects of Abraham's life. Not today. We're going to look at the first one, when Abraham did not know where. He believed God in all of those areas. These are the reasons he is known as the father of the faith or the father of the faithful. His faith gives us an example to follow as God shows us that he is faithful to keep his promises to us and bring us through to his perfect will for our lives. When we look at the life of Abraham, when we look at how he lived, when we look at the way that he followed God, we recognize something. Remember, the hero of the story is never the person, the human being. The hero of the story is Jesus. It is God Almighty. And God, through Abraham, proves to us again, like he did with Noah, like he did with Abel, he proves to us over and over again that he is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his promises. He is faithful to accomplish that with which he has called you for. We have to decide if we're going to walk with him. So here is the big idea today, and this is a little bit longer than normal. I usually give, I'll give you a short sentence, but here it is. Faith is clearly expressed in obedience. But obedience is not fully measured until it requires faith. Faith is clearly expressed in obedience. And so if we say, if I say that I believe God and I believe in God, then that means that my lifestyle, that my actions, that my behaviors should follow suit. I can't say that I believe you and not obey you. That's, the, that, that's just impossible. And so the reality is that faith is always seen in obedience, but obedience is not fully measured until it requires faith how many of y'all love the word submission that's your, that, that's your favorite word right like that is the word that's, that's the word you want right submission it's easy for the ladies in the room you can attest to this it is easy to submit to a loving gracious kind sensitive man We'll say easier, not easy, easier, easier, right? But when he's not so gracious, kind, sensitive, soft-spoken, turns it up a notch. Your submission is something different. You know, everybody wants that amazing boss, that boss that is just so understanding, right? That boss that if you know your kids are sick, oh, don't worry about it, you don't have to come into work. And that boss said, you know, you're not feeling well. Oh, don't worry about it, you're, you're okay. That boss is like, oh, you need an extra 15 minutes for lunch, no, no big deal. Everybody loves that boss. Right? You can submit to that guy or that girl or, or, or that gal, whatever. You can submit to him. But that, that boss that's like, yo, if you late one more time, you're gone. 
That boss says, like, you, you need to be back here. You got 30 minutes. You need to be back at 29 minutes for lunch, all right? That's what I'm talking about. You know, that boss says, like, now you got to put in two weeks before you can get a vacation. And then you get ready to take a vacation. And that boss come and tell you, listen, somebody else that had seniority need that time off. You won't have to work. You hate that boss. You don't want to submit to that boss. But that's the boss that is testing your what? That is testing your obedience to the word of God. You see, so it is not until those moments that our faith is tested, that our obedience is really seen, that, we're really, that we can really say, man, I do have faith. And that's what happens in the life of Abraham. It's easy to say, yeah, man, I got faith in God. But when God tells you to do things that are uncomfortable, things that are irrational, things that make you feel funny, things that, and I'm not talking about anything. I want you to understand something, and please know this. This is the standard by which God is going to communicate with us. God is never going to ask you to do something that is outside of this word. Are you here? And what I mean by that, he's never going to ask you to do something that doesn't align with the scriptures. He may not bring you to Isaiah 2, verse 3, and say, that's exactly what I want you to do. But when God, whenever you feel that something inside of you that you're feeling like, this is the Lord, you better make sure that it aligns with this book. Someone comes and tells you something, listen, they come and communicate to you, you better make sure what they're communicating aligns with that book. Because if it does not, it is not God. Hello. It's very important. And so we understand that God wants to communicate with us and he wants us to trust him. And so the first thing I will ask you to repeat after me is obedient faith will move us into complete reliance upon God. Obedient faith will move us into complete reliance upon God. Look at verse 8 in Hebrews 11. Look what it says here. It says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going now that, that sounds funny to me doesn't it i mean i think it sounds funny to you he was going to a place that he would inherit but he didn't know where he was going that's that, that those things don't go together right like hey i'm gonna bring you to a place but i, don't, I have no idea where i'm going i'm gonna bring you somewhere but I, I have no i have no clear direction i only know one thing i know the one that called me i know I, I know the one that sent me i know the one that told me to go and i've heard people tell me stories sometimes where they're driving out of their house and the lord is like turn right here and they're like okay i'm going right i've never gone down that road before and they run right into a divine appointment don't do that on your own hello you need to make sure that it's the Lord t telling you to turn right or you're going to end up lost. That's what I'm talking about. But the reality is this guy Abraham, he, he came into this place of complete and total reliance upon God. See, leaving home is something that is difficult to do. How many, how many of you say yes to that? For most of us, right? Some of us, we can't wait to get out of the house. But I've heard plenty of stories of those that couldn't wait to get out of the house. They can't wait to come back. Hello. See, because you wonder, you know, sometimes, like, how did that refrigerator stay full all the time? How, how, how did that pantry stay full all the time? It's like, was there a magic button somewhere, you know, that you just walked up in there and all of a sudden, boom. I know I drank that milk, you know, and all of it, there's more. It's where did this come from, you know? I, I know I ate that food, and, and all of a sudden, there's more there. But when you leave your home, guess what? It's all on you. It's a different story. You got to go while, 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 you know, our kids are out there playing games, video games, football, basketball, baseball, doing all of that stuff. Mom and dad are doing what? They're going to the grocery store. They're bringing stuff home. They're making sure everything is taken care of. Guess what? You got to do that on your own. It's a lot better to be home. For the young people that are in the place, listen, don't rush to leave. Make sure you leave when you're ready to go and take care of yourself. Hello. Right? Make sure that you, make, make sure you honor your parents while you're there too. Don't be crazy. Get kicked out. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway. 
In our days, it's a little bit different, right? It's difficult to leave home. I've heard of people that have gone to college, you know, and, and, they, and, and they literally, they were, they were like, you know, I got to come home. I mean, they just, they just couldn't stay away. I mean, so, so it happens. But in, in, in our days, it, the difference is this. In those times, they were very much more tribal people, right? So there's a different scenario here. See, in our days, you know, we, we have police that govern our, you know, our, our cities and things like that. In those days, guess who was your police? Your, your people. Guess who was your military, your family, your tribe? So guess what you did not want to do? You didn't want to go out and venture out on your own because what? Because you were, you were putting yourself in jeopardy, right? This is a reality. And so when God communicates to, to Abram and he tells him to leave his father's house, he's telling him, listen, I want you to leave all of your security. I want you to leave all of your self-reliance. I want you to leave all of your self-desire. I want you to leave all of that to go to a place that I'm going to show you. He didn't work out all the details. We just read it together. He told him, listen, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. He didn't, tell, he didn't give him any other details than that. Follow me is what he said. That's what he told him. And Abram had to make a decision. Am I going to follow God or am I going to stay here? Am I going to stay in this place of comfort? Am I going to stay in this place where, you know, I know where everything is at? The bottom line is his faith cost him, and it taught him total reliance upon God. God wanted to use Abraham. What did he want to use him for? Well, first of all, he wanted to use him as an example to us as to how we are to, how we are to follow God, even when we don't understand. Even we don't know all of the details, how we're to follow him. But there's something greater. Remember, there's, there's something bigger in this story than just Abraham's faith. God said, if, when we were reading in there in, in, Hebrew, I mean in, in Genesis chapter 12, as we got down toward the end, and we read there that he said that through you, all the nations, all the, all, all the nations would be blessed through you. Can I tell you something? The blessing he is talking about is Jesus. That's the blessing he's talking about. He, he wanted to use Abraham to separate him from his father's house, from idolatry, to separate him from all of those things, to bring him into a land that he knew not so he could do what? So he could preserve his lineage and walk from Abraham all the way to Jesus so that way we can all be blessed because of a decision that he made. So what did he do? He left his inheritance that was sure to inherit a land that all of us, an inheritance that he, that he gained was for what? So that way we could experience it. Now here's the thing. God may not tell us all the details when he leads us. However, he will be faithful to direct us if we will trust him. The question is, will we trust him with the details of our lives? Here's the question. Will we trust him with the details of our lives? Will we trust him to know exactly what it is that he is doing? For those of you that are following the Bible reading challenge, which, by the way, we are in Exodus chapter 35 through 37. For those of you that are following along, that's where you should be today. Um, and we'll continue on. There'll be no video posted for that. But, you know, as you're reading through that, that whole um, storyline there, I think that you would notice that all Gen uh, Exodus toward that latter part there, it is very, very detail-oriented. Would, would, you, would you say not? Very detail-oriented. I mean, God is, is telling them about every single piece that has to do with this tabernacle. He's giving them every single direction. Listen, he's giving them directions all the way to the underwear. Hello. Are you here? Read it. If you, don't think, if you think I'm joking, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being serious. He tells them, look, you guys are going to be walking up steps, and he tells them you've got to make sure that you put on these linen cloth. Because what? Because if you're wearing a robe and you ain't got nothing under there, guess what's going to be happening? Hello? Imagine if God would have missed that detail. Hello? I'm just saying, like God doesn't miss details. Like after, you know, we do an event or whatever, you know, something like that, we always have a follow-up meeting to see what details we miss. That's not God. God doesn't have follow-up details, follow-up meetings later saying, man, I missed that. We missed that. He doesn't do that in any part of our lives. 
He is involved in the details. The question is, will you trust him? Because you know what? He doesn't always tell you the details. He doesn't always give you all of the details. What he tells you is, trust me, I'm working all things out for your good. That's what he tells us to do. Follow him. Trust him. That's what he wants from us, and that's what we see in the life of Abraham. The second thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, obedient faith will position us in God's promises. I love this. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise. Abraham left the known for the unknown, following the one who knows all things. That's what he did. He left the known for the unknown, following the one who knew all things. And God walks him. Our faith in God is vital if we are ever going to see God fulfill his promises in our lives. Our faith in him. Our trust in him is vital. If you want to see, I don't know, how many of y'all want to see God's promises fulfilled in your life? How many want to see God's will fulfilled in your life? God's purposes fulfilled in your life? I mean, I know I want to see everything that God wants for me. Not because I want, because I want to experience everything on this side of heaven. I want to see God's purposes in my life. I want to see God's will executed in my life. And you know what it requires for me to see God's will executed in my life? I need to walk with him. I need to trust him. Remember this. God's sovereignty never excuses our responsibility. Are you here? God is a sovereign God. He reigns, he rules, he's seated on a throne. He has plans, his will. He's going to bring to pass his purposes. But here's the thing, his sovereignty never negates our responsibility. We are responsible. It's not like we're going to go to God and say, well, God, you know, you didn't do that. He's going to say, no, you didn't do that. Well, God, you didn't, no, 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 you didn't follow me. You didn't follow my instructions. How is he going to hold us accountable if we're not responsible? Hello? But we are responsible to follow his will. We're responsible to obey him. We're responsible to hear from him. And I said this before, being in his word, hearing his direction. We are responsible to know what God's will is and to follow him as his children. And I love, I love that first portion of that verse in verse 9. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise. He didn't even know that he was in the land of promise. Did you? He didn't even know he was there. He followed God. God literally takes him by the hand, leads him there, plants him there, protects him there, provides for him there. He didn't even know he was there. <laughs> he, he didn't even know that he was there. And I believe that that's some of us, most of the, much of the time, we're walking and living and trying to follow God the best way that he can. And God is like, I'm walking you there. I'm planting you there. I'm protecting you there. I'm providing for you there. You are there. Hello. But it's uncomfortable. You're there. But I'm a stranger. You're there. But I'm having the denomination. You're there. This is us. We're there. We're in the place because when you are walking with God, when you are walking in God's will, when you are walking, well, you know, to follow him, he is walking you there into the place of promise. We have to continue to follow him. We have to continue to seek him. His faith was extended to his children. I love this. If you see, he, it says that he dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob. 
He dwelt in tents with Isaac, uh, Isaac and Jacob. His faith is extended to his son and to his grandson. His faith is extended to them. Why? Because they are seeing him. They are seeing how he's following God. They're seeing how he is trusting God. And so, you know what we need to realize? For those of us that are more mature in our faith, for those of us that are parents, for those of us that are grandparents, for those that are helping someone else grow in their faith, you need to know that while people receive directly from God, our decisions affect their lives. Our decisions affect their lives. The way that we live, the way that we model faith affects their lives. And so that means that we need to be those people that are doing what? That are modeling faith, that are living for the glory of God, that are living to, to honor God in everything that he calls us to do. Everything that our children or our disciples are going to receive will come directly from the Lord. But we must lead them, hear me, we must lead them to the promises. See, if Abraham would have just hung out at his dad's house, if Abraham would have just stood back in Haran, if Abraham would have never moved out and moved to where God wanted him to, his, his grandson, his sons would have never walked into that promised land on their own. It was his responsibility to make sure that he was walking them to where they needed to be. And it's our responsibility the same way for those that we are helping grow in their faith, for those that we are helping disciple, that we help them to grow and help them to walk into the promises of God. The third thing that I'll ask you to repeat after me is say, obedient faith will keep us looking forward. Obedient faith will keep us looking forward. Look at the last verse here in verse 10. It says, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. For he waited for the city. So he is hearing from God. This is a Abraham is hearing from the Lord. The Lord tells him, I'm going to take you to a land. I'm going to bring you into this place. I'm going to give you this inheritance. He tells him he's going to move him in this direction. And Abraham is there in the place, and he's still waiting. This, this is him. He's still waiting because he's waiting for something greater than what is here in this earth. He's waiting for something greater. The scripture says what? He is waiting for a city with its foundations that are built by God, whose maker, whose creator, whose builder is God Almighty. He was looking for something that was not just locked into the natural realm. Are you hearing me? He was looking for something that was, be, that, that was beyond this place. That's what he was doing. He was looking for a place that wasn't just what the natural gives us. And see, for us, when we look at our lives, are we living just for the here and the now? See, I said this, I, I said this earlier when we talk about being comfortable. In the days in which we live, in the, in, in, in the nation in which we live, it's all about comfort. It's all about comfort. It's all about what we have. It's all about what we get. It's all about that in this life. And Abraham shows us what? He shows us, man, we can't be satisfied with this life. Oh, for sure, we're going to work hard. For sure, we're going to make sure that we're responsible. For sure, we're going to make sure that we're doing the things that we need to do. But here's the deal. Are we just comfortable with what we get here and now? See, when Jesus is with his disciples in the book of John, chapter 14, he's talking with them, and he's, he's comforting them because he's letting them know after these three years that he's been walking with them, <clears throat> he's letting them know that he is about to suffer, he is about to die. And he gives them a reminder, and he tells them this, and I read it to you. It says here in um, the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 1, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to, to where I am going. And so Jesus does what? He's comforting his disciples. 
Because his disciples have become so used to this natural realm. Because remember, when we think about Israel, what were they waiting for? They were waiting for the consolation. They were waiting for the restoration. They were waiting for this great king, Messiah, to come that was going to restore the kingdom in this earth. So his disciples believe that he is the one. They believe that he's the one that's going to restore all things. And so as they're believing this, they're like, okay, so we're expecting everything on this earth. We're expecting this kingdom on this earth. We're expecting all of these things to change radically, to be delivered, to bring Israel back to power. He's expecting all, they're expecting all of these things to happen. And Jesus is letting his disciples know, I didn't come for this kingdom in this earth. I came to present you a different kingdom. I came to present you with a kingdom that is beyond this earth. And here's what Abram does. He models for us way back when. He's not even having a conversation with, with, with Jesus in, the, in, in this particular moment. It's the pre-incarnate Christ that we see in, in, in the angel of the Lord and things like that. But he is having a conversation and his heart is so moved that he's doing what? He is looking for a city that is beyond here. He's looking for a place that has a foundation. I looked it up. I tried to figure this out. But it says a foundation that was a different foundation, a foundation that wasn't one that was in this earth. He wasn't satisfied with what he had in this earth. And can I tell you something? We need to be the same way. We can't just be satisfied with having that job that we want, that career that we want, that good marriage that we have, those good children that we have, the, you know, the money that we have, living in the neighborhood we want to live in. We can't be satisfied with those things. We have to live for a city that is beyond here. We have to live for the mansion that is beyond here. We've got to live for the gold that is beyond here. We've got to live for the rewards that are beyond here. This is what Abraham did. That's what it means to live by faith, to say, God, I am not satisfied with just what I can get in this earth, but I am moving to and I am looking forward to spending eternity with you. Are you here? Listen, one of the, one of the greatest issues that we have is that we become too comfortable here in this earth. You know, we come to God and we'll come to him with a, with a broken dream. We could come to him with a broken marriage. We could come to him with broken children. We can come to him with, a, with broken finances, whatever. You, you name it, there's a bunch of broke stuff in our lives. Hello. And we come to him with those broken things. And we get real spiritual and we get real holy. Hello. And we start praying like we've never prayed before. We start fasting. We start being in the word. I mean, we listen, if, if you like to cuss, you don't cuss no more. Hello. You know, you don't, you, you, you don't listen to crazy music no more. You don't, you don't watch those movies, those shows. I mean, you cut it all out because of what? Because you want God's attention. But here's the question. There's nothing wrong with having a marriage restored. There's nothing wrong with having our children, our children saved or somebody healed of something physical. There is nothing wrong with having our finances in order. There's nothing wrong with that. But the question is this. Are you seeking him just for that? Because that's what we do. Because then we come to him, and then what happens? He fixes the marriage, and suddenly, ah, I can watch that show. Ah, I can listen to that music. Ah, I can drop that. Uh-huh. Ah, I don't need to pray so much. Ah, I don't need to go to church so much. Or even worse, let me tell you what's even worse. He doesn't fix it. See, he doesn't fix it, and then what do you do? Then you get real bitter with him and like, oh, man, I tried this church thing. Come on, you've talked to them, right? You talk to those people that tried that church thing. Come on now. I hope you're not one of those tried that church thing people. But anyway, you talk to them. Because what? Because God didn't fix their here and now. But you know what, church? We're not supposed to be living for the here and now. We're supposed to be living for the life to come. 
We're supposed to be living for the kingdom that is ahead. We're supposed to be living for the mansion that's on the horizon. We're supposed to be living for there. But can I tell you something? You know why we don't do that? Because we listen to garbage preaching that feeds our idols. Can I tell you something? Y'all don't want to hear this. Listen to me. I love, I think it was John Piper. I don't know where he got this from. I don't know if it's an original quote or not. But he said this, our hearts are idol-making factories. And in, in other words, our hearts, they, we fabricate idols. We don't need any help. Hello. But then when you've got preachers that are talking to you about everything that you want, you know what they do? They feed those idols like, hey, that's what I should be living for. That's what I should be living for. And so we get bad teaching, we get bad preaching. And unfortunately, here's the unfortunate thing, because they, you know, they, they found a way into the idols of our heart. You know what we do when we have idols? We worship those idols. And so you know what people start doing? They start giving toward those idols. And so you know what ends up happening? They end up on television all the time. Hello. They end up on the radio all the time. And so guess who you're hearing? I'm saying the options are out there, right? There's some good preachers on TV. There's some good preachers on the radio, for sure. I can, I, can, I can attest to that. But you find those voices that are out there, and they're around there, and, and, and you, you don't even have to hear, to hear from them directly. It can be indirectly. And then our hearts become overwhelmed with what? With the here and the now. And if you don't have a perfect marriage, man, you must be in the wrong church. If you're not healed, you must be in the wrong church. If you're not balling, I mean, if you ain't got money, you know, if you, if you, I, if, you must be in the wrong church. You must be in the wrong place. Those are the mindsets that we have. There's something wrong with you. Hold on a second. Was there something wrong with the Apostle Paul? Because when I read um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, he had this thing, this, this, this thing from the enemy that was buffeting him, and he begged God three times to take it away, and God said, no, I'm going to leave that there because it's going to keep you humbly dependent upon me. I'm just saying. I mean, Paul was, if you want to talk about someone who was beaten, someone who went through some stuff, this is a guy. But you know what Paul was living for? He wasn't living for today. He was living for tomorrow. And for us, you want, to, you, you, want to, you, you want to know what heals us of this? It's when the gospel motivates us. It's when the gospel provision and the gospel promise motivate us. The gospel provision, what Jesus did on the cross, that's what, when that motivates us. See, our, there has to be this, two, this two-sided motivation that completes the gospel because here's the deal. The deal is we're all born into sin, separated from God. We were talking about this in my Wednesday night class. And the reality is that my greatest motivation for all of my affection for God is the fact that I realized that I was dead in my sin, that I was separated from God, that I had a good works problem, that I had a sin problem, and that I have a death problem. In other words, words, I'm going to die. I battle with sin. And guess what? I can't do enough good works to outdo my bad works. Hello. And what that does is it separates me from God. And I continue to go on this hamster wheel trying to prove myself to God. And I will never do it. I will never gain his favor. But the beauty of the gospel provision is that Jesus comes and makes a bridge. He dies on that cross for us. So that way I don't have to worry about death. I don't have to be, I, I don't have to, I don't have to die in my sin. I can repent of my sin. I can trust him. And I don't have to worry about good works because you know what? I'm not working to earn something. I'm working for something that was already earned for me. That's the beauty of this. But you know what? That's the promise. That's not just, I mean, I mean, that's the provision. That's not the promise. See, the promise is because of what Jesus did, I get to spend eternity with him. So when I look back, I'm grateful. When I look forward, I'm hopeful. That has to be our motivation. 
That has to be our motivation as the children of God if we're going to live our lives by faith. That's the motivation for my obedience because I know that I have a new identity because of what Jesus did, because I know that I'm a new creation in him, because I know that I'm promised eternity, and because of what I just read to you in John chapter 14, his father is preparing a place for me. I don't live for the here and the now. I live for that day. And so my closing question is this. Where are you lacking in obedience? What Abraham did was he obeyed by faith. He obeyed by faith. That's what he did. He was obedient to God by faith. And so my question is, where are you lacking in obedience? It's a call to obedience. That, 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 that's what God is calling us to do, is to obey him. And here's what I realized, that everybody in this room, everyone in this room, has an area in their life where they're lacking obedience. Everyone. There's none of us. As I, as I went through the sermon, you know, myself, because remember, I always preach the sermon to myself before I preach it to you. Not physically, like I don't stand up in front of the mirror and preach it to myself. <laughs> Sometimes I do. When I get excited, I stand up and, you know, I, I make sure nobody's in the house because they'll think I'm crazy because I'm preaching like, you know, I'm crazy. I'm just saying. And I look in the mirror and be like, you, you better get this. <laughs> but the sermon comes here first. The sermon comes to my heart first. I'm challenged before I challenge you. And so I'm challenged in the areas of my life that I know that I'm lacking in obedience. And so for some of you, you know what? It's like glaring in your face. You know exactly where it is that you're being disobedient. For others of you, you need to ask the Lord to show you where it is that you are lacking in obedience, where he's calling you to obedience. The beauty of this is that God offers the grace for us to repent of our disobedience and to trust him with our lives. As you stand to your feet, let us pray together. Father, we thank you so much this day. And we humble, we humble our hearts before you, God. We humble our hearts. We ask you, Spirit of God, help us to obey. Lord, you know those areas. I'm not praying for general obedience, Lord God. I'm praying generally, but Lord, the specific areas in our lives where you're calling us to obey. Father, for some of us, it's a deeper prayer life that you're calling us to obey. For some of us, it's a deeper discipline in the Word of God you're calling us to obey. For some of us, it's obeying your Word in our workplaces. For others, it's obeying your Word in our marriages. For others, it's obeying your Word in our, in our parenting, Lord God. For others, it's obeying your Word when it comes to our finances. Father, you know these areas in our hearts, and I pray today that you would give us the grace to recognize where it is you're calling us to obedience. For some of us, it's to trust you with our lives. For some of us, we're living for today and we're not living for eternity. And so today, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would search our hearts. And I pray that you would give us the grace, that you would empower us to walk in obedience to your word. That you would empower us to walk in obedience to the scriptures. That you would empower us to honor you with all of our lives, Lord God. Father, we want to bring you glory. We want to bring you honor. And I pray for anything, Lord God, that may hinder us from walking in obedience, that you remove it in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed and just pray with me for a moment. But if you're in this place and you do not know Jesus, if you're in this place and you have not trusted Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, he died 
for your sin. He shed his blood so that way you could have a relationship with him. And so, if you don't know him and today you want to make a commitment to him, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer like this one. You don't have to pray these exact words. It needs to come from your heart, but this would be the gist of it. Just pray to him, Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you. I recognize that I am a sinner and I need your saving. I need you to save me. I come to you. I believe that you are the provision for my life, for my salvation. And I pray that you would forgive me. I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would help me to serve you from this day forward. I entrust my life to you. Be glorified in me. And if you prayed that prayer, I'll be out there in the lobby shaking hands. I just want you to let me know you prayed that prayer so we can help you continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your spirit. Help us to obey you in all things. In Jesus' great name. And everyone said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.